I'm Colby White with D.C. White Farms in Vernon, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. we got another week rolling, and another episode of Texas Ag Today is ready to roll. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas is now the number three dairy state in the nation. The dairy industry is growing fast in the Texas panhandle, and that has allowed us to pass up Idaho to become the number three milk-producing state. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's the outlook for our ranchers in the Texas High Plains. You have some good marketing opportunities to come if you can make it through the drought. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The weather forecast for May in Texas does not show much promise for rainfall in the most drought-stricken regions of the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have the forecast from the National Weather Service for the month of May and a recap of April here on Texas Ag Today. The wheat market is strong, but the rains just didn't come. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and my story is about missed opportunity in my report from North Central Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas is now the third largest milk-producing state in the nation, surpassing Idaho to take that number three spot. Darren Turley, executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen, says that just one year ago, we moved into the number four position, surpassing New York. We were the fourth largest dairy state last year on an annual basis. We surpassed New York to reach that. There was some expectations of some uh, continuous movement and us chasing Idaho. Both of those regions, Idaho and Texas, have got a production control system in place. And so the production control system that's in place has probably held Idaho back a little, and we probably not honored it enough, but we still have been able to surpass them uh, to reach number three uh, for two months in a row now. California and Wisconsin are the two states that have larger dairy production than Texas. So how long before we can catch Wisconsin for that number two position? That's a pretty big jump. Wisconsin's quite a bit further down the road. We'll have to get our plants in. We'll have to continue to grow, kind of see what happens, see what they do as well. If they slide any, that'll help us. But uh, this is just about the highest mark we can achieve for a little while, it looks like. Milk production in Texas during the first quarter of this year totaled just over 4 billion pounds, up 4% from the previous quarter and 5% more than the first quarter of last year. The average number of milk cows is now 634,000 head, up 17,000 from a year ago. A group of Texas farmers and ranchers spent last week in Washington, D.C., visiting with the Texas congressional delegation. 
One of the lawmakers they met with was Congressman Mike Cloud of Corpus Christi, who sits on the House Agriculture Committee. Well, first of all, it was great to see people up here. We've been working to get this city open to the people. You know, we think of uh, a government of the people, by the people, for the people. You know, this city's needed to be open. We're still trying to get the Capitol fully open, but it was good to be able to see people able to come into our offices. It was good to see everybody up here. Of course, to see just people here was great. And then to see the smiling faces. And anytime we have more of Texas up here in Washington, D.C., I think that's a good, a good day. Cloud says he discussed several ag issues with the group, including the early work on the 2023 Farm Bill. But talking a a lot about what's been going on in Ag Committee, we're just finally starting to get to where we're talking about the Farm Bill. Much of the discussion that's been taken up has been kind of taking the Green New Deal objectives uh, and trying to push them through the ag sphere, so to speak, and kind of what we've been doing from an office to push back on that a little bit. Cloud says several tax issues are now raising their head in D.C., including increasing the death tax and stepped-up basis. Higher cattle prices are on the way. James Hunt visited with a cattle market analyst at last week's Hemp Hill County Beef Conference. If you're in the business of raising cattle in the Texas High Plains, Troy Applehans of Cattle Facts has good news. He says the long-range price outlook appears to be positive. We've seen the futures prices that are trying to lead the markets higher. And we still feel like that going forward, we're still going to have seasonality to our markets. where you are going to have ebbs and flows within the year. But overall, higher prices. We saw it last year. You know, calf prices were $10 a hundredweight higher last year than they were the previous year. And we still feel like that that's going forward, that we could see a very, very impulsive move at some point to these markets. Nobody knows the timing of that. But that's typically when all the money is made is when you have that one impulsive move to the market because then everything kind of settles back and goes into a normal pattern where you're selling high but you're also buying high. All the money's made in that one impulsive move and that's going to happen at some point. Uh, James, it's hard to say when. Uh, Nobody knows that for sure. Nobody has a crystal ball that is that clear but there will be higher prices going forward over the next several years. Applehan says Cattlefax foresees the possibility of prices ultimately reaching and even exceeding the historic 2014 levels. However, Applehan says there's concern some ranchers could miss out on opportunities to come due to our ongoing drought. If you're in a drought force liquidation or you're low on inventory, you don't get to participate in those higher prices and or it's costing you more to uh, get back in the business and get your inventory back growing up. And so we encourage you to, to do everything you can to try to hold on to the cow herd at this point. Once again, that was Troy Applehans of Cattle Facts from a conversation we had in Canadian at the Texas A&M AgriLife Hemphill County Beef Conference. Tomorrow, we'll hear from Applehans on the possible consequences of high beef prices. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We have had some difficult weather so far here in 2022, so what will the month of May bring us? Tom Nicoletti talks with a Fort Worth meteorologist about the forecast. My guest from Fort Worth is uh, meteorologist in charge Tom Bradshaw with the National Weather Service. And Tom, before we talk about May, let's look back at April and capsulize uh, what took place in the state uh, weather-wise. We did have a pretty active first half of April and things 
then quieted down somewhat. We had quite a number of tornadoes across north central and central Texas during the first half of the month. We actually had an EF3 tornado in Bell County, uh, west of Salado. That was probably the most significant tornado that occurred across the state during the month of April. I've been traveling the state recently, Tom, and it is certainly dry out in the pasture land and in the farmland of Texas and west Texas and elsewhere. And certainly farmers and ranchers need the rain. What is May going to look like? With La Nina still holding sway across the southern United States, we're missing out on a lot of these very wet storm systems that we often see in the spring. Unfortunately, it does look like it's going to be another relatively warm and relatively dry month across the state of Texas. May is often one of the wettest months of the year, and we do expect to see several inches of rain across a good part of the state. But as far as some of the drought-stricken areas in the western half of the state of Texas, we obviously need copious amounts of rain to try to put a dent in the drought, and I'm not certain that we're going to see that during the month of May. So the Texas drought monitor is not going to change much in the next month or so. It's pretty unlikely. Right now, we're seeing anywhere from D3 to D4 drought across a good part of the western half of the state. Even in the east, we're seeing a lot of D1 or moderate to even severe drought in some parts of the north central and the southeastern counties of the state of Texas. And like you said, I don't see a lot of change that's going to happen during the next few weeks, unfortunately. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The wheat market is strong, but Barry Mahler says it's a missed opportunity for many Rolling Plains wheat growers. As insurance adjusters continue to move to the wheat fields here on the Rolling Plains, disastering wheat due to drought, you can't help but think about what might have been. What might have been was the opportunity to raise a good solid crop and get it sold at near a record high price, well, over $10 a bushel. You know, in the farming business in general, you just don't seem to get the opportunity to raise a good crop and find a good market all at the same time. In fact, I can only remember one time, and well, that was many years ago. It was in the early 70s. My dad was farming wheat here in North Texas. I was helping out, but still a college student. Russia came up short on wheat production, and the U.S. decided to export grain to our most feared foe in the world to help fend off hunger. The market began to rally, and we saw wheat bring over $5 per bushel for the first time. Well, that was a big deal as the price had hovered around a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety a bushel through the sixties. It just so happened that the weather was favorable. Wheat yields of thirty to forty bushels per acre were common, and yields of thirty to forty plus in that era was considered a record, as our usual production was probably mid twenties to thirty, being a good crop. Cost of production was much lower then, and well, five dollar a bushel wheat was just unheard of. Did a lot of good for a lot of people. A lot of farms were paid off, and well, times were good. Well, not to dwell on the uh, negative, but I also remember input costs going up sharply from that event. And as fate will have it, market went back down, but higher production costs carried forward. The other times when the market was high, we seemed to miss out in this part of the country, such as the period of 2010 to 2012. Well, wheat was up about 46% in, in 2010 and stayed strong for a couple of years. We were in the 2011 drought and didn't get to participate in that one. So here we are again with a record price, but way short on moisture. We're thankful for federal crop insurance. So will keep a lot of farmers in business for another try. But the thing that troubles me most about this is just like in the 1970s, the price will go back down, but I'm afraid our high input costs will linger. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Chronic wasting disease legislation has been introduced in the U.S. Senate. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if your pets are not microchipped, you might want to consider having that done. 
Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd, has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your pets are not microchipped, you might want to consider having that done. Dr. Bob Judd says it's a simple procedure with lots of benefits. Pets commonly get out of the fence and get lost, and a microchip is the best method of identifying them. As far as we know, microchips have almost no side effects and is a procedure that is easily performed with minimal discomfort to the pet, considering the advantage to having your pet identified. Lots of folks have collars and tags on their pets, but these are commonly lost when a pet escapes. All pets should be wearing a rabies tag, but sometimes these tags are not only lost, but unreadable, even if they are present, so rabies tags are not the best form of identification. The microchip is a permanent form of identification that cannot be lost, removed, or become unreadable. The chip is placed under the skin between the shoulder blades, and we have inserted thousands of chips at our practice and have never had an infection develop, although it's always possible. Dr. Kira Ramdas is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she indicates in an article in TexVet Pets that microchips use passive RFID technology, which is short for radio frequency identification. The microchip can be read with a scanner, and many years ago, this was a problem because every company had their own chips and their own scanners, so you had to have the correct scanner to read the chip. Fortunately, we now have universal scanners that will read all chips, and there are databases online that can be used to find the owner of a pet once the chip is read. However, you must register your pet with the database for this to be effective. We scanned some pets that although they have a chip, the pet was not registered which makes the chip useless. So if you have your pet microchipped, you must follow through with the registration process. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Chronic wasting disease legislation has been introduced in the United States Senate. Jessica Domel takes a closer look in today's wildlife report. A bill that would allocate $70 million per year for six years to chronic wasting disease research and management was recently introduced in the U.S. Senate. The Chronic Wasting Disease Research and Management Act was introduced by Senators John Hoven of North Dakota and Martin Heinrich of New Mexico. It is a companion bill to the legislation that passed the U.S. House of Representatives in December. If passed, the legislation would allocate $70 million for fiscal years 2022 through 2028 for CWD management and research. The bill 
authorizes the U.S. Department of Agriculture to administer the funding through cooperative agreements with state and tribal wildlife agencies and agriculture departments. It authorizes USDA, state, and tribal agencies to develop educational materials on CWD to inform the public. The legislation also directs USDA to review its herd certification program within 18 months of the bill's passage. Chronic wasting disease is a fatal neurological disease that affects cervids like deer, moose, and elk. Senator Hoven said CWD is a growing threat to both wildlife and livestock, impacting sportsmen, ranchers, and the local ecology of regions across the U.S. The senator said the legislation would empower state and tribal governments to better manage and prevent outbreaks of CWD, while also advancing new methods for detecting the disease and limiting its spread. The legislation is supported by the National Deer Association, the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, the Mule Deer Foundation, and others. The bill was introduced into the U.S. Senate on Thursday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Just about all of our agricultural markets ended last week on a lower note. So how did they kick off things this week? Jessica will be back with a complete look at Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Falling corn prices on Monday allowed the live and feeder cattle markets to trade higher. June live cattle up $2.55 to $135.20. August live cattle up $1.77 to $137.05. May feeder cattle up $5.07 to $161.42. August feeder cattle up $5.80 to $174.07. Box beef was higher Monday. Choice up $2.82 to $263.60. Select up $1.16 to $249.13. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear the cattle, Beller. On a Monday, it's time to talk to Jody Fry about the cattle sale they had on Thursday. Jody, talk to us about price and quality. How many noses did you count? Nearly 1,300 head this week. You know, we had right at 1,500 last week. So numbers uh, continue to come in due to this dry weather. Uh, compared with last week's sale, kids and yearlings calling those kind of weak, $2 lower. Still good demand for these uh, better quality kids and yearlings. Some of those lesser quality kids were sure selling lower today. Medium to thinner flesh slaughter cows, fully 2 to $4 lower. Your high yield, fleshy, heavyweight slaughter cows and bulls were holding about steady. Limited supply of bred cows and pears. They sold lower again this week. 
week. Like we talked about last week, the middle-aged to older pairs continue to be split apart and weighed. The uh, better quality steers from four to 600 pounds from 145 all the way up to a high of $2, mostly 150 to 175. Six to 800 pound steers, 130 to 165, mostly 135 to 155. Better quality heifer kids, four to 600 pounds, 130 up to a high of over 170, mostly 140 to 155. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 60 to 78. Still some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 80 to 88. Thinner or lower yielding cows from 35 to 57. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 77 to 95. Just a few of those very high yielding slaughter bulls today from 96 to a high of 104. Red cows and two-year-olds, a few young heavy breads today from 750 to 1,075. Same way on the cow-calf pairs, just a few of those young pairs anywhere from 1,000 to a high of 1,300. What are you anticipating next week? I look for bigger numbers on the sheep and goat sale. Uh, had 5,500 uh, thereabouts this week. I'm looking for at least six to 7,000. Cattle numbers may back up just a little bit, but I'm sure we'll be at least 1,000 or more. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody. You bet. At the office, we can be reached at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'll see you again tomorrow. Good day. June lean hogs down $1.40 to $104.97. April class 3 milk even at $24.39 a hundred weight. May class 3 milk down 27 cents to $24.20. We saw triple digit gains in the cotton markets Monday. July cotton up 518 points to 150.81. October cotton up 379 points to 132.45. December cotton up 412 points to 126.19. May corn down five and a quarter to 813. July corn down 10 to 803 and a half. May wheat was down a quarter Monday to 1043 and a half. July wheat down a quarter to 1055 and a half. June natural gas up 26 cents to 7.50. July natural gas up 23 cents to 7.59. Crude oil prices rose on Monday. Reuters attributes that increase to fears that the supply may be impacted by a ban from the European Union on oil from Russia. Reuters reports that Germany said Monday it is prepared to back that embargo. June crude oil up 41 cents to 105.10. July crude oil up 39 cents to 103.33. The financial markets fell on Monday. Reuters says that that's due to investors focusing on the Federal Reserve meeting, which is expected this week. The Fed is expected to raise interest rates, and that, of course, is impacting the stock markets. The Dow down 309 points to 32,677. The S&P 500 down 39 points to 4,092. The Nasdaq down 32 to 12,302. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.